This is WCPO FM 1051 on your FM dial, Cincinnati, Ohio. WKRC, Cincinnati. This is the nation station. Hi everyone, P.F. Wilson here, welcoming you to the relaunch of the Cincy Shirts podcast. Yes, it's back after a nearly two-year hiatus. Our guest today is director of the Cincinnati Zoo and Botanical Garden, Thane Maynard. The Kings Island Wild Animal Park, they realized over time that roller coasters were easier to feed than rhinos, so they took that land and expanded their park. Those animals initially went out to a great big park in central Ohio called the Wild. We're very excited to be bringing you the podcast again. Our plan is to have all kinds of exciting and interesting guests talking about all things Cincinnati, past, present, and future. And today's episode, as I said, Thane Maynard is on. He sat down with the co-founders of Cincy Shirts, Josh Sneed and Darren Overholzer, and talked about Fiona, of course, as well as some interesting historical things about the zoo. For example, did you know the Cincinnati Opera performed there for years and years? Let's hear that discussion now with Josh, Darren, and Thane Maynard. Cincinnati, Ohio. Cincinnati, Ohio. I come from CincyShirts.com in Cincinnati. So I think so silly. My, I have a neighbor who knows you. Is that the one? He's uh, oh, Chris Waggle. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, he's yep. a part-time comedian, but I'm not sure what else he does. I don't yeah, know. yeah, he's uh, he, yeah, he lives up in your neighborhood yeah. there. Yeah, it was um, it was fun talking with him. That's funny. Yeah, he was saying you have like a spy house or something like your. Uh, <laughs> the home you you live in now used to belong to a oh yeah, yeah a guy in the early CIA yeah oh, oh really yeah is that why you bought it no but uh, this is a great neighborhood but um, yeah he died at 103 in that house and then we got it through his estate but yeah he was in the Second World War and then got into the OSS which eventually became the CIA traveled you know to Europe six months a year and <laughs> that's <laughs> awesome. That's hilarious. But yeah, well, thanks for coming in. Um, as you know, the whole last year has been crazy. I know it's been crazy for us. I'm sure it's been uh, even crazier for you. Oh, Fiona's, it's her world. We're just living in it, right? Uh, Unbelievable. Yeah, have you guys, uh, I mean, have you had anything even close to uh, to the, 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 the fame or the, uh, um, I don't know. I mean, yeah, what, Shotzi the Elephant, she was big, right? But she didn't have social media, so. That's right. Well, you know, the zoo is in the business of inspiring people with wildlife. And so in many towns, and particularly Cincinnati, because Cincinnati's a zoo town, um, you know, families, kids know our animals, you know, a lot of them by name, a lot of the gorillas by name, the elephants by name, the giraffes by name. But to be honest, prior to Fiona, people a little bit were like, yeah, okay, well, a hippo's a hippo, kind of like a zebra's a zebra, you know, there they are. Yeah. But with that new exhibit opening now about two years ago and bringing in Henry and BB, and we thought, well, gosh, I don't even know if they'll be friendly to one another because BB never had a boyfriend. And Henry was a veteran. He'd had five other babies. Now, BB came from Disney's Animal Kingdom? She was Is born that- at Disney's Animal Kingdom. Okay. Yeah. That's but interesting. But then lived most of her life at the St. Louis Zoo. Okay. 
animals move around for genetic reasons and space reasons, etc. So okay. at St. Louis, they had a, a bigger group of females, just females. So how so, does she? I'm sorry to keep interrupting. I just I'm fascinated by all this. Like, how does she get moved? Like, what kind of truck or tank do you move a hippopotamus in from Florida to sure. St. Louis? Well, depending on the size of the animal and their requirements, the zoo in question can move it itself, you know, in, in either a big heat or air-conditioned van. The zoo has a couple of different sizes of those, one of those big sprinters, which can hold pretty big animal, um, but not a hippo. Right. Um, when animals get to a certain size, you might have a situation where the um, – the zoo could send some folks and move it, but a lot of times you'll hire a company that specializes in it. They've specialized trucks, specialized equipment, you know, that kind of thing. So uh, in her case, she was moved by truck uh, to Cincinnati. Uh, from like if you Missouri. pass it on the highway, would you ever would you know there's a hippo in there? Or is it? No, you know they need to be in one that can be climate controlled because um, if it's real real cold out, you don't want them to get too cold. Sure. But also if it's hot. The reason hippos spend all day in the water and come out at night to feed is they would get very hot very fast if they weren't in the water, which cools them down. That's why they're so fat. So they've got this built-in wetsuit. Um, so when they're in a truck, they don't have to be swimming in the water, but they also don't want to get too hot. So there's, uh, you know, companies. There's a big one out of north northern Ohio up by Sandusky called the International Animal Exchange, and we use them if we're sending an elephant out or sending a hippo out. And many animals in zoos do move from one zoo to another. You know, you think of hippos, they'll live 30, 40 years. Uh, during that time, they might live at a couple of different zoos. So they huh. have, you know, different mates or different opportunities. So you don't send them through FedEx? We don't. Now, having said that, a lot of animals we do use DHL. You know, it's got its headquarters down at CBG. We recently shipped two manatees to Florida where they'll be released on DHL and brought them back but that's when you want to fly them yeah um it's very expensive as you I know can't, what, what it costs to ship a box right imagine <laughs> sure. if the box has a manatee in it so <laughs> and the, water yeah. yeah so but yeah we use dhl a lot for a variety of species and um most of them are not as expensive as manatees <laughs> and most of the animals are probably already in the country like you're not shipping correct yeah and copy from the Congo, not, or any, not anymore. <laughs> Those days are past. Once in a blue moon, some animals would be imported from the wild. I know a few years ago, some uh, African elephants were brought in for some zoos from Southern Africa in an area where they thought they were going to be poached out. But at our zoo, for instance, the only animals that came out of the wild are our manatees. We have um, a couple of manatees that have been uh, three right now that have been orphaned. Their moms got hit by jet skis and killed. So they're with us for a couple of years. We'll feed them up and get them to about 700 pounds. And we'll fly them to Florida and release them and bring some more back. We're part of a rescue. Daddy Warbucks. <laughs> well, yeah, but in the case of hippos, it is sort of funny that when we were building that pool, Hippo Cove, it was $8 million. And it, it was it, our zoo raises our money for new exhibits privately. And so it took a while. To get some folks to step up and say, "All right, look, we'll give you you know two million here, a million there, to build this pool." But if they'd known how popular our hippos and particularly Fiona were going to be, we probably could have raised the money in an afternoon because uh, yeah, <laughs> she's the most beloved bigger. hippo certainly in uh, history. And right now, it's fair to say she's the most famous animal in the world for sure. Oh, for her birthday, the uh, the line started at the cheetahs. Yeah, which, I know. Yeah, in January, I mean, it literally yeah. stretched all the way across Africa. Yeah, it but, did. Uh, and, 
it's been charming to me still now over a year later everywhere i go you know i was at a zoom meeting down in florida last week earlier uh last year i was uh, in africa i was in central america boom everybody knows about fiona they see my zoo hat they're like isn't that where fiona's from and of course, uh, do they kind of hate you in a way? Or like, Ugh, like, we don't have that Fiona. We no, we you know, <laughs> it's a fascinating thing. Um, certainly, anybody involved with zoos knows it's like lightning in a bottle. You know, there's not yeah. going to be another Fiona. It Ever. was this I combination mean, of who's ever seen a premature hippo, who's ever seen a baby like that grow up behind glass and, and be so cute, and we saved her. I mean, she was saved from the brink and that's a very heartwarming thing. And then you get children's hospital involved and then you get social media involved Yeah, and no small thing. Then you get Cincy shirts involved. I mean, I have seen those shirts (laughs) all over this country. I have, I I fully expect somebody will send us a photo of someone in one of those shirts at the Super Bowl. That would be awesome. Your red shirt with her on it because you see them everywhere. Yeah. (laughs) You should have her pick the Super Bowl winner. Are you guys up to that? Hadn't thought of that. Yeah. Hadn't, what do you do? Put two footballs and she decides uh, which one to chew on? put a logo yeah, on two so. heads of lettuce or something. Oh, there yeah. you go. <laughs> you got to keep it with the animals, right? And go well, with I, the eagles. I go jogging a lot. And I've got one of your red shirts. And I'll wear that. And, I mean, it's just incredible. It's like I'm Tom Brady. People are like, whoa! <laughs> and the honking. And, you know. Uh, so it's cute. People used to always think I was Jack Hanna. Now they just think they associate, yeah. me, they associate me with Fiona. Yeah, Jack who? Exactly. So you're, are you like, where is, let's get some background on you because like, you know, I grew up here in Cincinnati and I remember when you came to my elementary yeah. school and yeah. I'm not saying that to, no, no, you know, I know to, time to date you or whatever, but I mean, like I've always like seen you as like a celebrity, yeah. you know what I mean? Since I was a, a kid, are you from here? Where'd you go to elementary? St. Bernard. Come on. I live near there. In North Avondale, right yeah. around the corner. Yeah. Um, I am not from Cincinnati. Okay. I'm a newcomer. I've been here 41 years, which if you are from Cincinnati, you're like, yeah, he's not from Cincinnati. <laughs> but uh, I guess to be from Cincinnati, you have to be able to say what high school you went you're to. Right. That, that's the deal. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, uh, but I have lived here a long time, been at the zoo a long time. My wife's from Cincinnati, so that's what brought me here. And, uh, you know, today, to break into the zoo business, I mean – Kids come, they're, they're college students, they're interns, they volunteer, they're part-time. I mean, there's a whole process because zoos aren't very big businesses. And so many kids grew up going to zoo camp and such that they want to work in this field. So it's hard to get a job today just from the numbers. Uh, when I started, zoos hadn't begun this renaissance. They just were the little corner zoo down there, and I happened to be in the right place at the right time. Um, and that's been interesting to see that. Uh, zoos have also changed uh, demographically. When I started at the Cincinnati Zoo, I'm not kidding you, in 1977, there was one female employee. And there were, I was the 98th employee. So there were 97 guys and one woman. Today, every zoo everywhere, from Disney's Animal Kingdom to San Diego to the Bronx Zoo to small zoos to the Cincinnati Zoo, uh, easily 60, 70% female employees. Wow. It's changed. A lot of fields have veterinary medicine, same way, dentistry is the same way. Huh. Women, are, women are smarter than dudes. I mean, it's just the way it is. So, <laughs> of course, we're getting, we're getting outmaneuvered. So, did you start like parking cars, and then you got promoted to ticket taker, and then you got to clean out the elephant uh, house one day, and then someone's like, hey, you got uh, spunk, kid. You should come talk to this nursing home down exactly. the street. And then, pretty soon, <laughs> you got your own show. Like, how's that? Well, I was fortunate. The right place at the right time for me was in 77, the Procter & Gamble Company 
sponsored a new education center at the zoo. It had five classrooms, had a full-time high school through Sensei Public that we still have called the Zoo Academy, and they needed some people to help teach classes. And it was the first ed center of its kind anywhere in the world, really put an emphasis on, okay, here's, here's what we do. Reach the public with all kinds of programs. And all of you guys probably grew up going to some of those kinds of programs. Yep. Well, they all began late 70s, early 80s. So I was fortunate to be in the ed department from uh, 77 until 2000. And then I moved to Seattle for a couple of years and helped found an outdoor ed center there. But uh, it's a corny sign, but it's saying, but it's true. You can take the boy out of the zoo, but you can't take the zoo out of the boy. Because if you work in a zoo for 25 years, you know, zoos are hyperactive. You've seen them. I mean, we're doing it all day, all night. Kids spend the night at the zoo. I mean, zoos are very active places. It's like a town. Yeah. So to leave the zoo and go work in a sleepy nature center, and I love nature centers. I love the a nature center, but it's, you know, not quite as active. I mean, we had 1.9 million visitors last year. Um, so, yes, it's pretty wild. So Some what? guesses a record. Oh, yeah. We've grown year by year over the last decade to about 1.6 in 2015, 2016. But last year, a combination of some good weather, but also mostly Fiona. Yeah. We're pinning our success on Cincy shirts and Fiona. <laughs> so good. when did you know you wanted to work with animals? Like, what is your... What did you go to school for? I mean, yeah. is that yeah. always... Mine is a tale of a misspent youth. I grew up in <laughs> Central Florida before air conditioning, before it got built up by Disney and all the things that have happened in, in the Orlando area. That's where I grew up. I mean, literally, anybody who lived in Central Florida could get on their bicycle and pedal five miles and they'd be on a dirt road through some orange groves down to a swamp or a lake. Uh, everybody that lived in Florida before air conditioning lived along the coast. Because the wind blows and the beaches are pretty and it's not as hot. Sure. Central Florida is hot. Yes, six it is. Six oh, I've been there in July. <laughs> and nasty. Uh, so, as a result, kids spent all their time outdoors because it was just hotter than heck sitting around in a house. So, you know, summer, nobody used to do anything. That's, that's another big difference. <laughs> Today, every you talk to people, oh, gosh, I'm going to all these amazing places. You know, I'm taking yeah. the kids skiing for spring break. <laughs> I'm telling you, 50 years ago, people sat around. There was nothing to do. So... What kids would do is go down to water, any kind of lake, any kind of river or swamp. So, yeah, we spent our youth catching snakes and catching, if we could find them, baby alligators. They were pretty rare then. Catching lizards. There's a lot of herps, as they say, a lot of reptiles in Florida. And, um, you know, that led to me studying biology in college. And then I got a master's degree in wildlife biology from the University of Michigan School of Natural Resources. And, you know, I figured I'd move to Africa and get a Land Rover and a big wristwatch and cruise around. But, <laughs> but uh, my college girlfriend tracked me down in grad school, and we got married. And, you know, from there I needed a job, right? <laughs> right. Uh, but I've been lucky to go to Africa a lot of times over the last 35 years, so... Uh, I've had my chance. It's nice. So are you the only wolverine that the zoo's ever had? You know, yeah, that's an interesting question. We've never had them on exhibit. They are tough animals. They're, they're sure. the biggest of the weasels. And all the weasels also, are, are tough. Are we still talking about the animal? <laughs> I mean, they are they are tough. Uh, the smallest weasel in the world is the size of a hot dog. It's called the least weasel. They live here in Ohio. They are mean. I mean, they're mean. You know, minks are weasels. Ferrets are weasels. Otters are weasels. I mean, all of them, you do not want to grab them. 
because they, they are fighting machines. Well, by the time you get to a wolverine, you know, which is even bigger than a badger, you know, you're talking about animals that scare grizzly bears. That's how tough they are. Uh, so they're hard to keep in captivity. I've only seen them in captivity at the zoo in Montana. In Billings, there's a zoo called the Montana Zoo. Um, they can chew their way out of anything. Um, so we, we have not had those on exhibit here. I don't think they have them at Columbus Zoo. They'd probably be maligned up there. Um, <laughs> though if Michigan doesn't learn to play football, Ohio State won't care anymore. <laughs> Michigan's won maybe once in 20 years. Oh, I mean, it's been... Yeah, that's terrible. It hasn't been too competitive lately. Yeah. So, all right. So that, I have a couple questions off of that. So you, it sounds like you visit a lot of zoos. I do. Do you... Do you do that just to see what other zoos are doing, or do you guys share information about mm-hmm. the best way to care for animals, or both? Or? Mm-hmm. Well, there's a tremendous amount of sharing, and some of that is because today it's real easy. You know, historically, literally, people would wait around until maybe a journal article was uh, published, or maybe they knew a person and they'd have a relationship and call them up and say, hey, Josh, what are you guys doing, you know, with your spider monkeys, that kind of thing. <laughs> Today, of course, through a variety of electronic communication, you can keep up who's got what, their age, their demographics, how it's going. You know, all that can just be, bam, right there. Um, so that piece is good. But mostly zoos cooperate because most of the species we have are endangered species today. So we need to take really good care of them. As I said, if gorillas haven't been taken out of the wild for 45 years, you need to make sure you're not only keeping yours healthy, but you're breeding them very carefully with others. So, yeah, there's a lot of cooperation. Um, and people visit other zoos to get good ideas, to visit colleagues. And, you know, this will sound crazy, but it is a big honor at a zoo anywhere if other zoos come to visit. You know, if, if their director brings people that are their donors or board members or whatever, or if they send their staff to say, hey, they're doing it great in since I come look. Um, that's a neat thing. And everybody learns from it, not just one way. Um you know, zoos are a little like colleges. You know, you go to any college, you know, it's going to have a library, it's going to have a dorm, it's going to have a science building. I mean, you know, not every college is as big as Ohio State, and yet they tend to offer a lot of the same things. So I learn a lot from them. Yeah. Uh, you know, Ohio State, as an example, is a top-ranked major research university. That doesn't mean it's necessarily better than Xavier University or Mount St. Joe, depending on the student and what they need and what they're doing, right? It's a better research institution. That's for darn sure. But you know what I mean? There's yeah. small zoos offer a lot. In fact, a friend of mine who years ago ran a small zoo in Providence had t-shirts made for his staff that said, small zoos kick butt. And there's a lot of truth in that. You know, you show up and some kid's taking your ticket and you look around later, the same kid's leading, driving the train and then later in the afternoon you see them, the kids flipping hamburgers. I mean, they got to get it done. Well, where does sure. the Cincinnati Zoo rank nationally in terms of, you know, size or sure. like, I mean, Fiona, obviously aside, but just yeah. in general, like, I, you know, I don't really have perspective at how yeah. our zoo sure. ranks. Well, there's no official ranking, but I don't mean rank like who's better. I just mean... You know, like the things that we're how we have access to or can sure. do at the zoo or sure. the programs that you have. Well, things we're known for um, and lead in, we're known as the greenest zoo in America. Uh, Twelve years ago, we hired a civil engineer named Mark Fisher who didn't talk about that we ought to save water and save electricity and save natural gas and, and recycle and compost. And engineers measure stuff. So, so here we go. And we use one-sixth the water that we used 12 years ago. By catching rainwater, Fiona, for instance, swims in rainwater. So do our polar bears. 
Uh, if you've looked at your water bill, you cannot imagine how much money we've saved by doing those kinds of things. Because yeah. water bill is insane. I buy house. There's just two of us, right? We hardly use any water. It's still like 100 bucks a month. <laughs> imagine mm-hmm. we used to use more water than anybody in the region. Yeah. But we've cut back. So we're very much known for our sustainability program as the Green Zoo in America. Which is sort of funny because people on the West Coast perceive themselves as green and they perceive all of us in the Midwest as living in the Rust Belt yeah, and a bunch yeah. of seed. So we get in interesting <laughs> discussions. Um, we're very well known for our education programs. You can start at 18 months old in our stroller safaris. You can go to high school full time at the zoo. You can get a master's degree at the zoo through Miami University. Uh, we have wow. vast programs. Over 100,000 school kids a year come to the zoo. Over 10,000 of them spend the night at the zoo in our Nocturnal Adventures program. We're known for our research and conservation program, CREW, which is the Center for Conservation and Research of Endangered Wildlife. We have seven PhD reproductive biologists that work on rhinos and wild cats and endangered plants from Kentucky and all kinds of things. We also have two PhD students working in that program. We have two postdocs who are beginning their career. So we do a lot of science at the zoo. You know, BB was the first... Uh, ultrasound ever performed on a hippo, uh, which sounds like, boy, now that's big science, but it involved a very petite woman who's the smallest of the scientists in our research program sliding underneath BB with an ultrasound wand while someone else had her feet. So if BB started to turn, they could pull her out because hippos can be quite dangerous. <laughs> yeah. But we got it. Yeah, the first ever, so first ever ultrasound. That? Oh, yeah, we film it. <laughs> I was going to say. That's one thing that has some... sure changed. You look online. I mean, yeah. years ago, Chad Yelton, who you guys know, who runs our media and marketing, said, all right, listen, we're going to live tweet what happens at the zoo. Like, we're going to have a baby giraffe. We're just going to we're just gonna film it, and we're going to put it out. And I'm like, dude, what if that goes bad? What if the baby doesn't come out right? What if the baby's stillborn? What if the mom falls down and dies? I'm like, What? And he yeah. said, well, with social media, it's going to get out anyway. So let's just go for it. Yeah, and, genuine. Uh, and so we uh, we do. And as people have surely seen with Fiona, warts and all, I mean, prior to her getting an IV from that great group of nurses from Children's Hospital, she looked like she wasn't going to make it. Yeah. Yeah. And Those are def- definitely uh, desperate times for you guys. So Children's reach out for you, to you guys or did you, you just had, you know, no – no direction to go. And you said, what the heck? Let's ask these people across the street. Well, the zoo, you know, suffers from being right in the city because we wish we had more land than we do, right? Even yeah. with parking, we only have 80 acres. We prosper from being right next to the hospitals and right next to the university. And so there's a lot of experts within just a few hundred yards of the zoo. Um, and so Children's has helped us on a lot of things for a long time. Uh, when years ago, when we first started having gorillas and if they needed a bottle, you know, figuring out what's in the formula to feed them, you know, things that seem easy because with humans, we've been raising babies a long time, so we know how to do it. But to raise a baby gorilla, raise a baby hippo is something people hadn't done before. So, yeah, so children's helped us figure out what should be in Fiona's formula. Um, and then with the IV, I know many listeners probably know this, but if you look at your arm, you can see veins. But you look at a hippo, you can't see any veins. All over the body, there's a big layer of fat. So try hitting a vein. But they needed to. And believe it or not, it was a young woman in our marketing department, not our veterinary department, who on hearing this remembered that her daughter had been at Cincinnati Children's. Really sick. She's fine now. But she was in there so long they couldn't hit a vein. And they said, oh, don't worry. We have a specialized 
vascular access team, which is literally a SWAT team of people that can hit a vein. And these two women showed up and there's like, there's never been a vein we can't hit. So they use an ultrasound wand <laughs> and they can see it underneath there. It looks just like a river system and pow. And that's, she's gained weight every day amazing. since. That's amazing. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, we have, we do, we have good neighbors, children certainly, but also you see health and other private physicians. There's a dentist in town who comes and helps us. You know, if a tiger needs a root canal, he comes and helps do it. <laughs> Jeez. Uh, people are very generous. That's incredible. And, and, you know, they want to help. Yeah. So being, so, you know, like you were talking about, you're limited by how much land you own. Is that, I mean, are there goals? Or do you just like watch and see if houses go on sale and snatch them up? Well, like, how can you expand? Sure. Well, folks that are familiar with the zoo have seen over the last 20 years, We've been able to expand with great big exhibits like Hippo Cove and our Africa exhibit, which used to be our main parking, parking lot, lot yeah. by pushing the cars out of the zoo. So we're just about done with that process. And you know what's interesting about it is it's kind of a back to the future. The land that we're buying adjacent to the zoo used to belong to the zoo. If you look way, way back, you know, the historic area of the zoo was founded in 1873, and it was bigger. But along the way, Urkenbrecker Avenue got cut in, so some of that was gone on the other side. So we're basically... Reclaiming that land, and that frees up the parking lots to put animals in them again. And I say again because obviously in 1873 there weren't any cars, so all those big areas that where it had the big parking used to have bison in them and elk and a variety of species. Wow. So we're pushing the cars out, putting animals back in. Wow! So is that like a ten-year plan or uh, what? Well, it sounds corny, but we're 25 years in already. Yeah. Wow. Uh, you know, right in the city, it takes a while, but we're getting there. We're getting there, and it's neat. It, it hits, you know, when I was made director 12 years ago, when we do visitor surveys, we had three complaints most of the time. Parking, bathrooms, and food. So we worked and worked and worked and worked. We got a new food vendor. The food's better. We built more bathrooms. So now our top three complaints on busy days, parking, parking, and parking. So that's why we're trying to consolidate it all in one place and make it easier to get in. Now, today, a very cold day in January, you can just park right and we're open, right? But yeah. we'll only have one or 200 visitors. But on average, we have over 4,000 visitors a day, every day. So lots of days you need all the parking you can get. Wow, that's crazy. So you were talking about how mean wolverines are. Mm-hmm. I, I would love to hear about your, like, have you had any, uh, like, what is a crazy animal you've been bitten or attacked by or... You can well, share any stories when, like when that? When you handle animals, you end up with a lot of scars. You yeah. know, I'll tell you what'll bite you is a bird. Even small birds, like a little hawk, like a kestrel, if you're familiar. Whew. And they bite not to be mean. They bite because they want you to let them go, and they're scared. But, yeah, they'll yeah. bite the tar out of you. The worst bite I ever got uh, almost killed me in South America. I went When I turned 40, I wanted to go to the most remote place in the world. And those choices are either the rainforest of Congo or the rainforest of South America. So I went with some friends of mine from Conservation International, which is like going with a SEAL Team 6 of conservationists, down to Suriname in northern South America, which is above the Amazon. Absolute middle of nowhere. Unfortunately, it is rife with malaria. And though I was taking medicine, it still got me. and uh, I was really sick. So yeah, mosquitoes are the most dangerous animal in the world. Wow. <laughs> um, now, the irony about life is, you know, 25 years later, I am going to the Congo this spring. The zoo's real involved with lowland gorilla conservation. And so we're going to go to the, the real back of beyond, the most remote place in the world. Uh, 
So yeah, you and you wrote a, a book with uh, Jane Goodall. I did. That was a, one of the highlights of my career. Jane is so amazing; it can't be exaggerated. You, know, you sometimes hear a lot of famous people, but then you meet her. Then it's just a lot of spin. There's no spin with Jane. She's exactly what she appears to be: ninety-eight pounds of English vegetarian, tough as spring steel. She's. 83 years old and still going at it every single day, out on the road, telling people they ought to get involved and care. She's wow. something else. But you never hung out with gorillas with her? Just you and Jane kicking it? In the- well, I have not. <laughs> I've not been to Africa with her. I've been a lot of places with her and I uh, have the utmost respect for what she has done for so long and the role she's really played. I mean, she's she single-handedly changed the way that people study animals. I mean, prior to her, anyone doing a study... Of whatever behavior, you know, from ants to tigers, they gave the organism numbers and they wrote down little things. It was in a very prescribed way. And, you know, she shows up, she gives them names and she realizes they have different personalities. They have different moods, which we now know is true of lots of animals. But boy, when she first started, the the experts would try to eat her alive. Young lady, you don't know what you're doing. Uh, But uh, you can't you can't tell Jane she doesn't know what she's doing. Imagine not. That's nuts. So, uh, so Fiona was born in the middle of the night. Mm-hmm. So when uh, I mean, we all have seen the the security footage mm-hmm. of her her flying out. And yeah. Then, then the phone tree mm-hmm. starts up, yeah. and then you have an employee show up, and you know he's groggy, not sure what's going on. At, at what point did you did you find out? Sure. Well, that like, next where morning, are you on the the phone tree? Yeah. yeah. That next, I, I found out early, but the next morning, you know. I, Eight in the morning. They're like, I'm don't call Thane. No, no, no. But I'm, I'm, I'm down there. We're looking in. And uh, the credit goes to the keepers. You know, they're whispering one to another and said, we can do this. And nobody would ever done this. You know, here's this little baby. I don't know if you've seen recently. There's some pictures. Disney's Animal Kingdom recently had a baby hippo. And, you know, it looks like they're supposed to look. It's a great, big, robust animal climbing around on its mom's <laughs> back. And, you know. Yeah. Fiona looked like a deflated football. I mean, she's just like, there she was. She was like, Whoa. <laughs> uh, and, you know, all those stories of for weeks and weeks of her being held the whole time, you know, in this heated yeah. room, the bathroom, but held. And then she, of course, she needed an oxygen tube that she kept pulling out. And, Giant and bottles. Just, oh, yeah. <laughs> Four different sizes of hot tubs over time. Uh, it's been great that Cincy Shirts and others have supported the zoo so much through uh, proceeds of sales and getting involved helping the zoo because we spent a bunch of money on these uh, hot tubs and extra overtime and all that. But it was certainly worth it, and uh, she's she's beloved like nobody's business. So the money from our shirts obviously mm-hmm. gets donated to you guys. Uh, so then what happens to it? It really does go directly. There is like a Fiona fund where sure. people are like, hey, sure, but like, well, what about – are the other zookeepers that, you know, and the Okapi guy or the rhino guy, is he like You're all obsessed is with he, Okapi? I, know, I am, for that? sure. Yeah. Hey, it's my well, favorite Okapis animal are, there. They're the best. you got to come down. <laughs> if you haven't come to meet them, come and meet them. The, uh, the zoo's committed to the welfare of animals, making sure everybody gets the care they need. But there are times, such as with Fiona, where it's just all hands on deck. The last time similar to that was four or five years ago, we brought in Gladys, a gorilla from Texas that had been orphaned. And we had to raise her, same thing, you know, 24 hours a day. And you just spend, got to build and weld and make things a certain way and a lot of overtime. And with Fiona's case, it was a change almost constantly. You know, we got her into one 
little teeny pool, and then the next thing you know, okay, we're going to turn a bigger one, and then she needs a ramp, and then you know, special heat, special lighting, etc. So yeah, so that costs some funds. It's fair to say Fiona's the only animal in the history of the zoo that paid for herself, so that's that's for sure, and funding her program. But it, it's a one-time thing. I mean, she's still super popular, but you know, it's not. Uh, like anything, it has a curve in terms of the revenue side of it. It's not going to carry on forever, but uh, certainly the story and the caring does. People caring for her. I mean, she got so many cards. A lot of them that were so cute at the beginning were from little kids and would show a picture of them, say, in their soccer outfit and would say, Fiona, I was a preemie too, and now I'm strong enough to play on a soccer <laughs> team. You keep going, girl. You can oh make it. Gosh. You know, that kind of thing. So. Uh, that was sort of expected, but then you'd also hear from really serious business leaders and stuff where they'd come to the zoo and their kids would look and say, I've never seen my dad act like that. And, you know, he's down in some thousand dollar suit bent down looking in, uh, people like seeing Fiona. That's crazy. I mean, just what, what we saw even in the early stages of, you know, the addresses of where these shirts Mm -hmm. were going, Oh yeah, you know, it's like. Israel and South America, mm-hmm. and some and people are attaching their own stories to her as well. Like, uh, like you mentioned, yeah, okay, I was a preemie, so I can relate. Mm-hmm. Uh, someone tagged us on Instagram last week. She has a an eating disorder, and mm. she's like, "Well, she, Fiona's taught me self love, and that mm-hmm. um, you know, it's it's okay to eat and gain weight and be happy." Mm-hmm. And uh, what else we had? We had uh, uh, these parents with an uh, autistic. Uh, mm-hmm. Child and some something about the cartoon on our shirts, hmm. um, and then you know we sent him first. He got the the shirt and he loved the shirt, and then uh, you know once they contacted us about that, we sent him you know the plush and uh, mm-hmm. everything else, and they said that he just will not put this plush down. Mm-hmm. Um, and that it, even when he needs to get in the shower, it's on the sink in the bathroom. <laughs> yeah, it's just uh, I mean it, it's it's crazy. Um, but, you know, I mean, we're at a point in this world, too, with social media and all the, the, the crazy opinions about anything in the world are always right there, right in your face. So uh, so when she's, you know, you're scrolling through your news feed on Facebook and you you see, okay, just just this hippo swimming, it's, it's such a break. Yeah. Uh, and you can tune everything else out. But Well, she's been the real thing. And you guys have been certainly great to partner with the zoo in so many ways. And it sounds like you've got more products coming. We're hoping to. (laughs) I mean, that's the thing, you know, like it's, it's as, you know, we weren't sure when this all started, how, you know, what our role was going to be. I mean, we had, you know, had partnered with the zoo on a couple of different shirts. Mm -hmm. And, um, and then when, when you guys realized she was going to make it, that's Mm -hmm. when we decided like, okay, let's figure out what this shirt's going to look like. And, you know, of course, when it was, when she was, probably clearly going to live but still like not available to the public and you could only see her through social media you know everything uh the 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 orders kept coming in and then you know throughout the summer we knew people would be flocking to see her once she was finally out in the Mm -hmm. public and then we weren't sure what was going to happen after that and then you know halloween came around and uh and that was a, a big hit and then of course christmas with the I want a hippopotamus, and then we just had her birthday. I mean, it's like we we had no idea yeah. either, and you know, for, for us to be involved in any way, it's been it's been absolutely incredible. But just like I mentioned, my career at the zoo got started sort of right place at the right time. 
you guys are well positioned because with FC Cincinnati coming on strong, and I think your shirts are the ones I see all over town. Uh, that's a good partnership brand brand too, I think, and and hopefully, uh, I guess they keep the same sort of logo and everything if they go for Major League Soccer. We'll find out. Yeah. We, <laughs> we know as yeah, much as a lot you up do. in the air there. Yeah, that's yeah. for sure. But hey, if they change the logo. More hey, shirts to sell. That's yeah, right. people got to have their shirts too. So one yeah. of our favorite shirts that we came out with when we first partnered with the zoo was "I'm only here for the botanical garden." <laughs> exactly, because it's always been the like the little add-on to the end of the Cincinnati yeah. Zoo. Yeah. Like, what is the what the I don't I don't know that I know what role the botanical garden plays in the day-to-day operations sure. of the zoo. Is it just well, it has a long history. Yeah, the zoo when it was originally founded was very much a Victorian concept. Right. Andrew Erkenbrecher was a German immigrant who came here broke and turned into an industrialist. And he and some of his colleagues wanted Cincinnati to have some of the same attributes that the cities they had come from had. So that involved culture. It involved gardens. It involved parks. And I've not been to Germany, but my understanding is if you visit Stuttgart Zoo and Frankfurt Zoo, they're a lot like ours. They're right in the city. There's formal garden. There's cultural activities. So when the zoo was originally founded, the title was Cincinnati Zoological Garden, and it had that exact feel. And as time passed, you might have heard this, but the Cincinnati Opera began at the zoo, right? No, I did not know Yeah, that. from 1920 to 1973, the opera, people like Placido Domingo and Beverly Sills, most famous singers on earth, sang at the Cincinnati Zoo with the opera. In that, not in, like, where was that? It was, if you know where our gibbons are, which are the loudest mammals in the world, there used to be a big band shell there, and they set seats way up on that side. In 1973, a benefactor named Patricia Corbett air-conditioned music hall. Oh, and yeah. And the opera said, we'll see you. Yeah. Because <laughs> it, it's hard to do. The Corbett Auditorium. Yeah, exactly. But um, when they tore that band shell down, they replaced it with a part of the lake with the, the jungle gym, the bamboo for Gibbons, who are like opera singers, are very loud, and they like to sing. <laughs> Was that done on purpose? Oh, yeah. Yeah. That's great. <laughs> um, so, yeah, so this idea of a garden and a respite from an urban circumstance was an idea brought from Europe and continued in a zoo like ours. Um, we officially became a botanical garden, an accredited botanical garden, in 1985. So we changed our name from just Cincinnati Zoo to Cincinnati Zoo Botanical Garden. Um, the strength of the garden is a whole bunch of things. One is we really do have a beautiful park. You know, it's not just green, but it's, you know, it's flowers and it's pollinators and there's all sorts of messages about the importance of plants. Uh, as I mentioned, our research program, we have a big program with endangered plants as well and native plants. So it, it makes it, you know, a much richer experience. There are still some zoos that aren't very lush. You know, you'll go to some and it feels almost more like a college campus where you're like, oh yeah, there's the English building, there's the library. At our zoo, you can't hardly point anything out because it is so lush. Some of that's a strategy for our crowded days. If the zoo was just wide open, like pretend you were at UC where it's just that lawn, and we had 15,000 people, you'd want to pull your hair out. Right. But the fact that it is so lush, you know, you might see 500 people near you, but you don't see 15,000 of them. Right. And you feel like you can go along yeah. a certain route and see and everything with everyone. Instead and of- there are little areas... You know, there are areas that are immensely popular, such as today, anybody who goes to zoo is going to go to the Africa exhibit and, you know, feed the giraffes or see the lions or go see Fiona. But there are some little offshoot 
areas. There's just a quiet little place with a bench and you can sit there and eat a sack lunch or read a book. People watch. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so um, we try to be all things that we can. What's your favorite e- exhibit at the zoo? You know, that's a good question. Uh, hilariously, my favorite animal remains the American alligator, uh, which seems funny today because there's so many of them. They're everywhere in Florida. But they weren't when I was a kid. They were hard to find. We had a hilarious time at night with big flashlights trying to find them. They, their eyes shine back red. I do not suggest doing that today. They're, they're everywhere and they're dangerous. And don't take a small dog to Florida if it's not on a leash. No kidding, because gators love to eat small dogs. Um, but uh, in terms of our exhibits and sort of the joy of watching them, I think our lowland gorilla exhibit is just terrific. You know, we have the outdoor space. It's been there for a while. This new indoor gorilla den where you can really see animals that... Uh, is that open yet? Yeah. Or? Okay. Yeah, come on down. And that's neat. As an example, in the winter, you can see gorillas being active because they wouldn't be outside today, but they can be active inside. Yeah. My favorite is the ants that carry the go. leaf yeah. from one end of the insect house to the other. I I can't go to the zoo without seeing the, yeah. that. Yeah. <laughs> like, well, you I'm might have fascinated been, by it. If you go to the forested areas in Central America, in countries like Costa Rica, or Panama, or Belize, you'll see those leaf cutter ants, and especially at night with a fl- with like a headlamp or a flashlight, and it's a gas. Yeah, they they stay busy and they'll just keep going. It's incredible. Like it, I just I don't know why I've just been obsessed with that yeah, ever since the first time I saw it. So are there any animals that uh, aren't really pulling their weight? You know, no mm-hmm. one no one's coming in to see the <laughs> or, or you know like is, is there like a diabetic one-armed sloth that just costs all this money but you know no one's no one cares about him is there any you know, well, you what, know like what's the what's your the point your point's an inter- out of the of well your zoo. point's an interesting one because uh, famously european zoos cull their animals so if they have animals that they think are surplus they don't want to breed them they you know they don't need their genetic stock oh, in denmark yeah exactly right? they'll kill them chop them up and feed them to the lions and in American zoos, we don't do that. And there's a bunch of reasons, probably because people were raised watching Disney movies. But in an accredited zoo, if you have an animal, in our case, we'll say Fiona, you're responsible for her the rest of her life. So pretend she lives 40 years. Um, so that might not mean that that animal, whether it's a giraffe or it's you know a monkey or whatever, stays at Sensei Zoo. But we can only send it to another accredited institution. And we have to make sure they're taken care of. But as you said, toward the end of the lives of animals, it can be a challenge, right? Just like there's old folks' homes, right? So the idea of putting them out to pasture. So, yeah, we have a breeding farm where we breed our cheetahs out in the country. And, you know, we have an old camel that lives out there. It's not an exhibit anymore. We have an old zebra that lives out where there. Where is this? You're not allowed to say? Or, I mean, it's, it's, yeah, it's, it's around here? Yeah, yeah. But, you know, so you can't put a sea lion out there. You can't put a polar bear out there. I mean, the animals have very specific needs. Uh, you couldn't just put out there. But others, if, if need be, if they need to be separated for one reason or another and live out their life, they'll they'll go out there. Um, and, you know, animals do live a long time now, longer than they used to, because at the zoo we have, you know, three full-time vets to take care of our animals. We have really good nutritionists. And so, you know, as my doctor jokes with me, with modern medicine, I'm going to live longer than I want to, right? So the same thing, animals live much longer in zoos than they do in the wild. Do you guys ever get uh, contacted from people who think they can handle exotic animals and then end up, you know, uh, having to get rid of them, you know, because they can't have a yeah, we do. tiger in their basement? We do, and you know, we don't 
try to take in those animals because you can end up with all sorts of issues, both genetic and disease risk, et cetera. But we get into lots of discussions about that because today wildlife trade is it's a big challenge. I mean, you know this. You can go online. You can buy anything. Uh, now, the good news for you guys is that includes they can find stuff from Scentsy Shirts. But the bad news is, yeah, you could name like the rarest snake in the world and probably get on there and it's on Craigslist. find somebody to buy it from, right? And the, the trouble with that is a lot of those would be nefarious in that they're taken out of the wild and really it's, it's bad for wild populations. So wildlife trade is a problem. And we do try to educate people to not... You know, buy exotic pets, and especially, like you said, don't buy ones that you think, oh, boy, that baby lion's so cute. When, I mean, how much sense does it take that once that thing's a year old, it's going to be dangerous? Uh, but, yeah, it's hard to stop. There's, it's that thing you can't regulate against. Dumb. Do you have, <laughs> do you have pets? Yeah, we, yeah, yeah, we, have a dog, we have a dog and a cat. Yeah, and they're great. Have you ever had to bring work home with you? Over the years, yeah. Yeah, we would bring animals for one reason or another, but, but typically they stay. At you the have zoo. a party and your wife's like, yeah, bring us that. No, uh, a slow loris or... Uh, not that so much. You don't want to get bitten by a slow loris. They have a, a toxin uh, that works a bit like venom. And you, you, if you're allergic to it, you could go in anaphylactic shock. Really? A friend's husband nearly bought it being bit by a slow loris. So, yeah. That's um, nuts. I remember as a kid... That Kings Island had a monorail mm-hmm. and like a wildlife safari. Was that did, 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 was that part of the zoo at all, or was that their own thing? That or? was the Kings Island Wild Animal Park. Um, they realized over time that you know uh, roller coasters are easier to feed than rhinos, so they took that land and ter- expanded their park. Yeah. Those animals initially went out to a great big park in Central Ohio called the Wild, which used to be a strip mine. And <laughs> our, I was going to say a strip club. <laughs> our, our zoo was involved at Kings Island. You know, our researchers went out and helped. Our veterinarians helped. And similarly, the wilds, uh, originally, all the zoos in Ohio sort of participated in that. Uh, it's now run by the Columbus Zoo because that's the nearest zoo. And also the Columbus Zoo gets a huge amount of tax support, uh, over three times what our zoo gets. So they have they have more money to be able to pull that kind of thing off. Gotcha. But our zoo participates with especially rhino breeding and rhino research out there. But the wilds is a good place to visit. It's uh, three hours from here. If you're going to go, it makes sense to stay the night. It's a long drive, but it's neat. It's a big wild animal farm. They've got, you know, giraffes and rhinos. They don't have elephants or hippos, but they've got a lot of everything else. Huh. And it's big, really big. Is there an animal that you've always wanted to get at the zoo, but it hasn't hasn't happened yet? Like you're holding out hope yeah, for it, next? or is it, what's like your holy yeah. grail of, of well, our, animals? Well, our hundred and twenty, excuse me, hundred and fiftieth anniversary is coming up in twenty twenty five, so we've got a lot of big plans between here and there, and we hope to expand our elephant yard, and they're they're Asian elephants, maybe big, big Asian exhibit. So with that, we uh, might bring in leopards, Asian leopards, which would be really neat. We have snow leopards now, and we have clouded leopards, both Asian species, but uh, we haven't gotten, you know, the, the traditional spotted leopard that you can see in uh, in Southern Asia or in Africa. It's the same species. Um, 
So that's a fun species to look toward bringing in. The leopards are super aggressive, right? As far as cats go, they are. Yeah, they're like jaguars. Um, <laughs> Taryn, I had I'm no idea. You, they need to be. Um, you knew all this. I'll tell you how I heard that, but it's unlike, that's a longer story. It's interesting. <laughs> unlike lions and tigers, who can be kept in, but they don't need a roof above. Leopards and jaguars could climb right out. So if you see them, they're they're enclosed. Yeah. The same thing with our snow leopards. Yeah, because they're just they're built they're built to jump. Hence the name leopard. And they also are built to climb. So, and the rule one is keep the animals in. Yeah. Yeah. You got to start with that. (laughs) Yeah. That's hilarious. All right. Well, you've got to come see a copy at the zoo. Oh, for sure. I know you come see the ants, but sometimes you can. (laughs) Josh, you could come and if you haven't, you know, meet some of our entomologists and see what they do. Because we have a lot of ants. uh, Well, Randy. uh, Randy Morgan was there for years. Yeah. Um. Randy Pyron was oh yeah Randy yeah. Pyron sure he um, I've known him since I was a little kid yeah um, yeah and, and he so can get he's, he can get you in with the Okapi too it's he's all always, starting to work out he's Do always it. been my my link to like you know what's cool and happening at the zoo because he's been there for so long yeah. but that seems he seems like another story of you know you get in when you're young and you're there for life well, he went to our high school he and his wife went to the Zoo Academy High School. Uh, and yeah, he came when he was 16 and his mother never came back to pick him up. He's just been there. So, what the heck? <laughs> That's awesome. So you have kids? I do. Three daughters. They're grown up. Yeah. They're uh, good. So is it easier to raise a premature hippo or uh, teenage daughters? <laughs> well, teenage daughters are tougher on their mothers and fathers. <laughs> uh, I don't know if any listeners have daughters, but they always give their father a pass. So that's a good thing. <laughs> That's hilarious. Yeah. Well, anything else? Uh, um, I was going to ask you about the sexiest zoo in America. Sure. Is that something you guys? Was that like a marketing thing? You guys are like, you know, we need a, we need a hook, or you're just like, what are we really good at making babies? Well, you know, it, it's interesting because zoo babies was always my favorite, oh yeah like favorite like that was like something I look forward to all the time is like. Going to see, like, the sure. baby monkeys and everything like that. Well, you know, like any institution, zoos really uh, value third-party validation you know, where someone else writes about us and says we're great. It's not just us with our PR department. Uh, you know, Zagat surveys a few years ago ranked us in the top three zoos in America. And Frommers came out with a list the next year and ranked us in the top three zoos, which is saying something because the other ones are places like San Diego Zoo, the Bronx Zoo, you know, et cetera. Um, so, way back in the 80s, when we really got going with our reproductive science program, CRUD, that I mentioned. So, we were doing, you know, artificial insemination. We did the first test tube gorilla. I mean, we did a lot of uh, really wow. leading-edge wildlife reproduction. Um, Newsweek did a story and called us the sexiest zoo in the world. And, uh, <laughs> you know, that, that stuck for a while. It's not the only thing you could hang your hat on but it was a cute thing to be called that so, fun hashtag yeah we need a shirt that says that yeah, yeah. Heck. exactly but <laughs> that related to you know we've bred an awful lot of endangered species for a long long time you know we've had 50 baby gorillas born at our zoo since 1970 Jeez. and we hope to have another one this calendar year so we'll see we're working on that it's really complex to breed endangered species because you can't just breed them if you got them you got to be very careful and there's scientists that work on a suggested breeding list so it's, it's a bit like you know 
the Reds trying to get new players. You That's what I was going to ask. Trade a left-hander. <laughs> do you just bring two hippos together and hope that they hit it off, or is there like a well, you like do a kind of thing? Yeah, where you're like, well, you I try to these two and you try to get ones that are not overrepresented in the gene pool. So you know there would be records of okay, how many babies did Henry have? Are there any that are related to to BB? And so it was determined they'd be a good match. So we put them together. Similar going on with our elephants and our, you know, giraffes, a variety of species, trying to be thoughtful about who goes where. Your rhino. Yeah. Baby rhino. Oh, yeah. Kendi. Now, some animals are hard to breed. Uh, breeding rhinos is a challenge. Uh, we've had a lot of luck with it. We lead the world in breeding two of the five species. We've had more black rhinos than anywhere, and we've had more... Sumatran riders. Now, how do you get good at that? Like, what makes what makes the zoo good at that? Is it the people <laughs> doing it, or do you just you built the rhino exhibit just right that it feels mm. natural? It's, or, it's a know. combination, <laughs> a little like the Fiona thing. It's a combination of things that fall into place. In the case with rhinos, people like your friend Randy Perrin, You've worked with our rhinos a long, long time, <clears throat> and and know them well, so the animals feeling comfortable who's around them and how they're handled facility works well for them and then there is some of it this luck of the draw you know the two that on paper these are the ones we should put together they, they might not get along right uh, like a blind date um, and sometimes it's things we're not even sure why we are the leading zoo at breeding the stellar sea eagle the biggest eagle in the world they come from the coast of Siberia we have them at the zoo They're great big things they are salmon's worst nightmare they eat, <laughs> like our eagles they eat fish but they eat really big fish and we're not sure why, but, I mean, we just breed them like crazy. They're on eggs now. We think we're going to have some more. Um, and and then you a, have them, and then other, you tell, like, other zoos, yeah. like, these are available. And yeah, and they get moved around to different zoos. Uh, eagles live a long time, 30 years or so. Um, that's probably a combination of just the right climate, even though it's not near as cold here as Siberia. It's colder than, say, Arizona or San Diego. Right. Um not just the right birds, because we've done it with a number of pairs, and the flight cages are in, so just sometimes magic happens. I love it. Just <laughs> hear Barry White cranking out of the exactly. zoo late at night when everybody's gone. That's awesome. A little of that, man. Yeah. So are the animals sometimes easier to take care of than the uh, park patrons? Well, you know, we're very <laughs> fortunate. Uh, this is a zoo town. People love the zoo. You know, when I go around and talk... From the far west side, you know, way out in Cleves, over the far east side, on Marymount or wherever. Uh, sometimes you can just have fun and say, well, listen, rather me just tell you a story. Anybody got a family zoo story? And I mean, people go all night. Yeah. They'll talk, not just a little like, oh, yeah, I always love to come. Oh, my gosh, my kids grew up going to zoo camp, and then they became a veterinarian. Oh, my goodness, you know, my child. The only thing in the whole wide world that really connected for them was animals. And um, we have a lot of that history. So that's a neat thing. Um, so, yeah, we're fortunate. People people love the zoo. You can go anywhere and stop at a gas station, wait for a metro bus, and people see your zoo logo or whatever. They'll just want to want to tell you their story. And, of course, this year it's they want to ask about Fiona. Oh, of course. Well, should we, should we announce about our big announcement? Yeah, let's do it. What you got on your mind there, so Josh? So this is our first podcast. <laughs> All right. Yeah. And you are our first guest. And um, we are excited to announce that thanks to the year we had with the partnership of the zoo, uh, we are going to be opening our third store. Oh, great. In Loveland. 
Yes. So coming uh, somewhere around late March, early April, hopefully we'll be uh, we'll have our third store open, and uh, it would not have been possible without uh, yep. working with you guys and how great you've been and letting yeah. us be along for this ride. So thank well, you for fun, that. Because I get out there a lot on the bike trail. It's right off the it's bike right trail, running, running and, and, and historic, right across from Tano's. Yeah. Is Tano's coming back? Yeah, boy, what a mess! Huh? Yeah, it's yeah. gonna be uh, rooftop bars and wow. balconies. Okay, and, good. Uh, it's we'll gonna be it's gonna be sweet. We'll be right next to Montgomery Cyclery. Oh yeah, on the back side of the record store. Good. Well, that's a good location. A lot of folks, you know, our region increasingly is becoming an outdoor region where people really want to get out. Yeah, and that's a good location, and they obviously want to be fashionable, right? They can't just. Dressed like an old zookeeper. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, you get sick of wearing khaki all day. And that's, that's, <laughs> it, it, took, it took me a long time to get this look. This is the look I'm going for. That's, that's hilarious. Awesome. Well, but real quick, I got you're talking about the zoo. Everyone has their uh, family stories. Uh, I got a quick family story. I don't know. I always thought it was funny. But uh, I'm at the zoo with my wife and uh, my niece. Mm-hmm. And yeah, we've been there before, but this was... I don't know. I don't know what brought this up, but we turn the corner and we see a big sign that says giraffe rides. And we're like, you got to be kidding me. You can ride giraffes here. And, you know, as, as we get closer, we're like, man, you know, the, like what's going to happen? Can we can like three ride on one giraffe? Do the giraffes have saddles? And then we get closer and the sign says giraffe ridge. Oh. So our hearts <laughs> sunk and we were so disappointed oh. that we could not actually ride the giraffes. Now, that is a great but, one. That is a great question. <laughs> the image of. Trying to train a giraffe to <laughs> oh, yeah. get a saddle and people just hang and on. And have the public. The, the way they move, you know, you have to hang on. <laughs> well, you talked great. about, you know, how different life is from, like, like now from, than from when you started. And, you know, I remember, like, stuff I did as a kid. But even as far as, like, rides at Kings Island, mm-hmm. like, how unsafe probably a lot of those were. Like, is there anything that you, that the zoo used to do or offer that you look back now and you're like, we would never be able to get away with yeah. that today? You know, uh, things have changed. There's different regulations. So, uh, for instance, when my kids were growing up, we used to have elephant rides. So you'd wait in line and you'd go in the big old saddle and two or three people get on oh, wow. and they'd go for a little ride and come back around. And because our females, uh, and the same ones we have now, Mai Tai did that. She used to go in the opening day parade. She'd go on stage at Music Hall for Aida. She was used to people, so actually it was safe. But over time, uh, more keepers nationwide were getting killed by elephants one by one, not out of malice, just out of so big that, you know, if you were walking near one and it just kind of gave a, just a little bit of a leg shove, it could crush you. I mean, it's a really big animal, bigger than a truck. You know, 11,000 pounds. Um, so we don't handle elephants the same way. We don't have elephant rides anymore. So that's an example of a change. That said, what we try to do is, as many ways we can, give people a really neat experience. So, you yeah. know, we'll wander through the zoo with our flamingos, or we'll have our miniature pigs run by, or we'll, obviously, we have a cheetah run. We're the only zoo. We invented that where you can run cheetahs twice a day for our cheetah show. You can feed giraffes. So we try to have a lot of activities I'm trying to bring back camel rides. We used to do camel rides, and I'm a fan of that. We'll see if we can pull that off. So every board meeting you're there with your bring back camel ride shirt. Well, we can make a bring back that. We can make that for you. Well, you know, everything's complex. You know, you need to get in camels you can train. 
I mean, we have camels now, but just out of the blue, say, all right, listen, we're going to start climbing on you guys. It's all going to work out. <laughs> yeah. You got to start when they're young and you have to have the right facility, but we'll work on it. Uh, bring back camel rides. We brought back hippos. We can bring back camel rides. That's we're right. It. There you yeah, go. We'll get working on the shirt. Exactly. Sure. Now, with every podcast, uh, we allow our guests to uh, say one word or a phrase. Uh, and this phrase or word will be used for a 20% off promo code. That's good until our next episode. Before you do so, that, how about a quick anything coming up at the zoo people can get really excited about that anything new new exhibits or anything like that? Sure. Like, it's, the weather's going to turn here soon. Yeah. Get people to come to the zoo. Well, the zoo's open every day, but our two slowest months are January and February. Starting in March, we have all kinds of special programs. That runs all the way through the end of the year with Festival of Lights. But January and February, it's half price. So that's pretty good because the whole zoo's still open and uh, lots of both indoor exhibits, new areas you can see, like the new Gorilla Center. So I'd say come on down. And if it's above 50 or even slightly below and and uh, Sunny Fiona will be out, so that's fun to see. She lives in a heated pool, if you wonder why she can be out in the winter. But in uh, the zoo's open 10 to 5 this time of year. So I'd say come on down. And um, it'd be crazy on this first podcast to not have the code be Team Fiona. Come on. That sounds good to us. It's easy to remember. <laughs> it sure is resonated with the world that's right well thank you Thane yeah this was fun uh, you guys have been great awesome. to see what the future zoo. holds yeah well we appreciate it it's been a lot of fun we try our best to celebrate wildlife and get people involved get them want to care about it get them want to help with conservation and certainly having fun with Fiona is a good way to do it well it's clear why you've been so successful at it so thanks again thank you all right Our bosses here at Cincy Shirts, Darren and Josh, talking to Thane Maynard from the Cincinnati Zoo and Botanical Garden. You can find out more information about the zoo at cincyzoo.org. There you go. It's easy as that. You can find us at cincyshirts.com, and you can find our sibling site, Old School Shirts, at oldschoolshirts.com. Old School Shirts is all one word, by the way. If you're in town, visit our stores in Hyde Park and OTR, and as you heard, Coming soon in Loveland. Uh, the theme music for Cincy Shirts is performed by Big Nothing. They are actually from Philadelphia, but they wrote a song about Cincinnati. How about that? And again, you can find shirts from Philadelphia, Cleveland, Louisville, all kinds of other great cities in North America. Well, just the United States so far. We'll get into Canada eventually, I reckon. Uh, but go to OldSchoolShirts.com. Again, OldSchoolShirts.com. All one word. Or Cincy Shirts. If you know anybody who has lived in Cincinnati from the area but no longer lives here, do tell them not only about the website... Uh, but also tell them about the podcast, and this will be available, uh, well, however you got it, iTunes, Stitcher, TuneIn, uh, wherever people get their podcasts, tell them they can find the Cincy Shirts podcast and have them tune in. And with that, we say goodbye, and we'll talk to you on the next Cincy Shirts podcast. Yeah.